some of the crowd were on the pitch. You are listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Good morning and good night to Arsenal Football Club. This is The Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman. Todd Lizenby. We have Maddie Goldfish bouncing around. Just full disclosure, full disclosure, we're recording this bad boy at about 1.30 in the p.m. on Friday. So this is a little pre-recorded. If there's massive breaking news, if we miss anything, that is why. But it was a full slate of midweek games, Todd. We're going to dive into all of them, but a good chunk of it is going to be spent on the proceedings that happened at the Emirates. My friend... How you feeling? I mean, I hate having to talk about this. No, Can this we talk about something else? This, this is, is really tough. rough. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it either. I've, I've, you guys know me. I've been waiting for this moment for about two months. The capitulation has happened. It has happened. An absolute, total, and complete bottle job leading up to this by Arsenal Football Club, punctuated by absolute dominance. What What's the... Uh, uh, I think that's unfair, to be totally honest with to you. To Arsenal? Yes. For, to throw away points at a mid-table Liverpool? No, no, no. To no, throw no. away I don't points think it's unf- a- I don't think that part of it's... Un- I don't think it's unfair to say that they... I think we're getting a little bit into the Giannis debate with yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Which what is and isn't failure. Yeah. And uh, I would say that, you know, failure is... Uh, failure is for Arsenal... This year, the fact that they played the way they did down the stretch. But I think when you look from the 30,000-foot view and you look down at the season, the goal this year was always Champions League, and they've qualified for Champions League with six matches left, five five matches left for them. So I still think overall it's a good season and there's good to take from it. And maybe also just, I know this isn't going to be easy for Arsenal fans to hear, but hear me out, maybe also long-term, this exposes some things and shows them that there are some things that they need to work on to get to that next level playing in more than one competition in Europe. I think it's all about context. That was a hell of a take, by the way. Yeah. I think it's all about context. If you, after 38 matches, are an Arsenal fan, you look up and you said, we finished second in the league, qualified for Champions League, and were it wasn't one of those seasons where City are, are 10 points beyond, like there was an actual title fight. Fire the cannons, confetti, woo, awesome, incredible season, Arteta, absolutely. This club were eight points up after 29 matches played. Look at, I know they don't want to do this, but look at your friends, Tottenham Hotspur. The two best seasons they had, it was a young group, they're in a two-horse race, they actually finished third in the two-horse race after the Battle of the Bridge. Uh, finished second the next season, made a Champions League final, and they've not been the same club since. Arsenal are not City. They don't have the financial backing plus Pep. They're not Liverpool. They don't have Jurgen Klopp. Can they grow from this? Absolutely. But nothing is guaranteed in this sport. And when you are eight points up after 29 matches played, and you don't even have a prayer. Like, it is totally out of your hands with five or six yeah, games left. That, to me, is a I failure. see what you're saying, but I I, I kind of... It's a little bit semantics, I think, honestly. I, I consider it more of a disappointment than a failure. Um, because but you mentioned... maybe strong unless... You mentioned they were eight points up, right? And it's the same as, like, oh, why wasn't that foul called at the end of the game? It cost my team. Well, there were a bunch of fouls missed in the first half. Those also cost your team just as much as the one at the end of the game. All those things that Arsenal did in the first 
you know, whatever, two-thirds, three-fifths of the season to get to eight points up, those matter as well when you talk about the full story. Now, all all you're doing is... Mid-table Liverpool, relegation battle that. West Ham, relegation battle I understand Southampton. That. I understand that. And before, and before that, they were eight points clear for a reason because they were playing better football than anyone else in the Premier League. So and I they think couldn't, bo- and like they couldn't both, finish it. Both the same can be thing true. as last year. I know, and the reason they couldn't finish it is because they're not good enough. Is because they couldn't beat relegation fodder West Ham, because they couldn't beat at home the worst team in the Premiership, and they threw away a 2-0 lead up on the road in Anfield against the worst Liverpool team we've had since Klopp's first full season. Like, do you want to... I mean, listen, I, I will just tell you this. Full season. We we have this discussion all the time on weekday mornings. Dylan and I are the exact opposite when it comes. And we have, we're both Celtics fans and Packers fans. And I like to think if Dylan liked proper football, he'd be a Man City fan. He pretends to like Newcastle, but he doesn't pay attention. Does he, but does he just like it because it's a town in Oklahoma? He likes it because it's a beer. That's why okay. he likes it. Respect. Which, fair enough. Respect. You know, like if... If like Coors had a team, if there was a Coors in the Premier say, League, it'd probably be United, the one. and I'm all in. Exactly, exactly. In fact, I would love to be the spokesperson for Yingling United. But no, I. This is how I feel as a city supporter. Dylan and I argue all the time. I am the optimistic fan. I'm always looking for the good in what my team's doing. I'm the last person that, for the most part, there are some exceptions, but I'm the last person that goes, "This is terrible. It can't be fixed." Right. I'm always thinking something can be fixed or thinking like, okay, it's time to burn it down and redo it. I'm doing that right now as a Packers fan. Right. Right? Aaron Rodgers is gone. I know they're going to suck for a few years. Jordan loves the answer. Yeah. I. You know what? That's where we're at. Let's dig into the process. That's kind of how I feel about it. Whereas Dylan wants to get really upset about where it's at now. So I see both sides of it. This is the exercise I go through every year with City in the Champions League, though. It's okay, but... They won three trophies. Was this season really a failure because they didn't win the Champions League, right? And I think it's the same thing this year with Arsenal. Florida Cup's a big trophy. It is. I mean, there's not there's less of them than Premier League trophies in their trophy case, so fair. It's a pretty important trophy, but I don't know. I just I see it a little bit differently, and I think I would come more over to your side if like you said, these last 5 matches, they really don't rebound and play well. If they if they go take 13 points from the next 15 available, their last 15 av- available, I would say, you know what, well done. you got to fix some things and be better, especially competing in multiple competitions. Yeah. I also get that that's part of your point, too. That's part of why it's frustrating is because this was a year when they weren't competing in multiple competitions and might have made it easier for them. Well, they, they couldn't even get through the Europa League, which is supposed to be the Premier League layup. Like, right. It's, right. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. No, it's I'm, what it I'm, has been. I I see your points. I just I look at it a different way. I think I generally look at sports a different way than some people in that manner. Yeah, I I just think that it is impossible. So if if this were flipped, where City were up eight points, right, and had the game in hand, and Arsenal closed the gap, closed the gap, closed the gap, and got to the point where, yes, one club has a game in hand, so. Because the head-to-head matchup goes one way, Arsenal still a couple points up in the table. But say it were flipped, and City are a couple points up, couple points up. They then go to the Etihad. City wins in the exact same manner, which is an absolute rout. Arsenal should be embarrassed by that performance. 
That is not how you play if you're a club serious about contending for a title. That's the other thing. Oh, no, I agree with that. I I thought the performance was really bad. I think the other part of it is that you look at an FA Cup tie and the two ties in the Premier League, and Arsenal have not been close. Against City, you're saying. Against City, yeah, 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 yeah. in the head-to-head. Right, right, right. But if... If it were a situation where Arsenal were just trying to stay in the fight, just trying to stay in the fight, they close the gap, close the gap, close the gap, lose to City, where it's okay, you're just hoping that City win it, and then from there, whatever happens, I'd feel a lot better about that. But this is the same exact thing that happened last year, just on a bigger stage. Arsenal, when the pressure were off, flying high, playing really pretty. Oh my gosh, they're back in the Champions League, back in the Champions League. The second they had to go and win a game, Tottenham pants them. Not a great Tottenham team. Like a, a good Tottenham team, not not one of the club's best of this generation, things like that. That exact same thing, Arsenal capitulated down the stretch last year. Well, I, They I took just, a step forward as a young team. They were pacing, pacing, and yes, City were looming and games in hand, things like that. Again, this is not a, hey, they had a tough game against Manchester United. Hey, Newcastle popped up and got them. It is the worst oh, Liverpool it's bad. team we've it's seen. It's bad, yeah. A West Ham oh, side it's, it's and really a Southampton bad. side. It's really bad. But City had to have performances like that this year against teams like that this year to get eight points down. They just had them earlier in the season. Arsenal had them at the end of the year when the pressure was on them. Exactly. City, when the pressure was I on, know, City rose. That's, that's what I'm saying. And that's what you would expect a team that's been there for over a decade now to do. And Arsenal, who haven't been there for a decade and a half. So I, I just think that's part of the process. This is, I think in general, we're looking at things as if, you know, one team is 20 and 10 in basketball, in college basketball, but they were 20 and 1. And they lost their best player, and you know he was out for nine games, and they got destroyed. And then he came back, and he's not the same. You know they're going downhill fast, right? And another team that started out the non-conference six and six, but is now twenty and ten because they've dominated in a good conference. If we were just two people talking about it, you would go, "Oh, Team A is not any good, and Team B was obviously way better." Team A went down their leg. When I look at it more from the Here's the resume of one team. Here's the resume of another team, right? That's just how I look at sports in a different way. And for Arsenal, like all those performances they're having now, yes, they've got to figure out why they're doing it back to back to back to back to back the way they've done, right? It's it's City's performances like that were spread throughout the season, and that's normal for teams that even win titles. Right? They have performances like that. You can't keep letting it snowball. And I had a coach tell me when I was in high school that – when you win, it snowballs. When you lose, it snowballs. But when you lose, it goes downhill way faster. And it's really hard to plateau it out when you're starting to go downhill on the snowball. City have had those moments, too. And they're lucky enough to be able to rotate the squad. They're lucky enough to have guys that when someone's off the pace to put in someone else to motivate them. And Arsenal don't have that yet. And I think we saw it at the end of the season. And I, I think that's what's the bigger thing at play Obviously, part of it is that guys didn't play well. They didn't perform well at the most important time of the year. But also part of it is some of those guys have performed well all season and never gotten a break and had never had that lull that everyone has during the season. And it just so happened they happened all at the end of the year for Arsenal. I think that's a little bit of it, truthfully. 
It also happened the second there's any pressure. That's any 100%. No, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. This is not a one-year. But that's year. what I'm saying. It snowballed yeah. more because of the pressure. Yeah, but this is not a one-year thing. We saw this exact exact same thing happen last year. Top four, not title sure. race. And the exact same result against not Man City. It was, it was Spurs. And now when you look at it, again, this was my argument for, hey, Tottenham, don't just rest on your laurels after you couldn't outpace Leicester in the title fight because what happened that year, a bunch of the clubs that you would expect to be top four, maybe not right. actually fighting right. for a title but getting a lot more points, were down. This year, Manchester United has shown they've got something cooking. They're another transfer window away, another summer with Ten Hag. Newcastle's about to take a step up. We've talked about them a lot. Of They're not even really spending money right now. Liverpool were so injured. We've seen flashes of what they have been and what they – I think will be next year. I think Spurs, you get a manager in that is willing to play some uh, a little bit more progressive football, and I think the players are going to be a lot happy. I think they're going to be up there. I, you're still going to have your Fulhams and your Brentfords and in your Villas trying to punch above. Brightens, not, not, yeah. not that that means that there's a bunch of teams that suddenly it's a seven-horse race, but that much harder for Arsenal to do what they did this year, which is win all those games. Sure. Right? No, I get what you're saying. I, I just think that it's one of those things that... It's an opportunity miss, for sure. It, and that is the... like Championship windows are never as long as you right. think they will be. There's no guarantee that this squad's going to take a step... This squad might be maxed out. You know what I mean? But that's part of the reason why teams like Arsenal do respond the way they do, because it doesn't happen for them very often, and that window is so slim. And it's part of the reason why, in those moments, when teams like that you know, like you think about Leicester. If Leicester had come up against a team like Man City this year, I'm not saying talent-wise, just a team that had the past success, the recent success like Man City has had the last five years. If Leicester had come up against a team like that, even if City had injuries all year and were struggling, down the stretch City would have the ability to grind out some of those results that Leicester wouldn't. And Leicester didn't have a huge point haul that year, right? They right. would have been put under pressure by a team like that. But they took it their just, chances when it, they were under pressure. Right. It just so happens the team that was pressuring them was Tottenham, who is not one of those teams, right? And Arsenal's not one of those teams. We've seen it two years ago. No, in a row. that's what I'm saying. So Arsenal this year, unfortunately, right behind them was a team who right now is playing maybe the best that they've ever played, like in its club's history in this stretch the last month. So I you know, I think is it an opportunity missed? Yes, but I think failure. that does take away from City and what they've done a little bit as well. By the way, this is the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Uh, we will obviously talk more about the match on the other side, but that as was well the big as, talking point. As well as everything else. But that, that's what's raging right now. Again, if Arsenal come into this, they're playing well, they're playing well, they get beat by a better team, that's fine. You, I don't think you can separate relegate two relegation sides that got point, points off of them, a mid-table Liverpool, and... I, anyone that's looking at that is is purely saying, well, we we have nothing else to play for, so we're trying to enjoy the good, which is totally fine. I just think that you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this club, summer, they could bring in reinforcements, Declan Rice could come in, be awesome, or Caseta or whoever it is, and, and push Arsenal forward. That's not a guarantee. And in the Premier League, especially, where it's not, Parody City, you know what I mean? It's the the same clubs over and over. You have to take these chances, and Arsenal didn't, and they deserve to be filleted for it because of how they played against Liverpool, because of how they played against West Ham, because of how they played against Southampton. Not necessarily City, although 
to be an oh abs- they were terrible to be an city. they could have been seven no show which we'll talk about yeah, on the other side yeah. that is I I think further evidence that I don't think this squad's taking the step forward I think they're coming back next year well so you we'll, mentioned all those teams that Arsenal are going to have to worry about in the coming years. You might not be mentioning Everton soon. That's something yes. we need to talk about as yes. well because there have been some big-time results when it comes to the relegation race as well. We'll dive into the actual contest that happened on the pitch between City and Arsenal on the other side as well as, like we said, everybody was playing this week in the midweek, so we got plenty, plenty to dive into. Manager drama in in North London as well, South London, all that and more coming up on the other side. This is the Soccer Show here on 107.7 The Franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. More after this. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Welcome back. This is the Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman, Todd Lizzie. Shout out to Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic, our lovely, lovely sponsors. Todd and I hugged it out in the break. Uh, if, there, if anyone's concerned about that. But let's dive into what actually happened. Shut up, Ryan. I, I hate you. I hate you. Uh, I do have one bone to pick. I do have one bone to pick with Pep Guardiola. We were actually spending the break trying to vote on Chelsea's goal of the month. We were. We <laughs> the were. month of April. This is uh, a remarkable... <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so Chelsea's goal of the month has to be Connor Gallagher, a deflected shot in... Right. Because that's the Against only goal Brentford, they scored. Was it Brentford? Uh, no, it was... Oh, Brentford who beat them this yeah, weekend. Brent, yeah, idiot. Brentford who... Shout out to Brentford for two straight trips to Sanford Bridge with <laughs> absolutely battering Chelsea. Right. Uh, so Todd sent me the tweet of, like, Chelsea's goal of the month. There isn't a voting. And I was like, Todd, that's not the worst part. Yeah, the worst part is in this 20, is the second month, right? In 2023, right? Chelsea have gone two months. February and April, both. They only scored one goal. That's not good. That's, That's not, not going to get good. it done. It's not going to get it done. Chelsea have one of the best defensive records of the Premier League. And if Todd, Thomas Tuchel was in charge for six games, he won 10 points. I know, yeah. Without those mm-hmm. 10 points, Chelsea are on 29 points and are, <laughs> are in a relegation battle. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Things are going well. Things no, are they are not well. good at the bridge. They're, but enough about Chelsea's one enough, goal yeah, in the month of enough April. Enough about that. Please, save us all. Um, Pep Guardiola, I do have one bone to pick with him. That rat bastard did not start Nathan Ake, so I could be dead on with my two goal scorers. Because it was Kevin De Bruyne who ended the game eight minutes in against Arsenal. Uh, For all intents and purposes, he did. Uh, Technically, the winner was the second goal from Stones. Technically, but... uh, you know, Arsenal just decided early on, and this is something that Liverpool's had success with in the past against City, is really press the presser, right? I mean, I think that's that's kind of a tactic. I always talk about how I love how soccer has so many similar tactics to basketball. That's a tactic in basketball as well. A team's going to press you, press them. Right. Usually teams that press a lot don't work on breaking the press, so give them some pressure. So that's what Arsenal did, and... And City decided for really the first time all year, it's happened maybe a couple times in European play, but the first time all year, City had to really use Erling Holland as a target man. Yeah. And just put the ball up to him and tell him, hold it up, hold it up and get it to somebody running off of you. And he was brilliant. Yeah. I, he, I mean, he was he was just as good as De Bruyne was. It was they, they had roles flipped. So I, I don't watch every single minute of City play. I've, I've seen a, parts of a bunch of their games this year. For me... Uh, this was the best instance of Holland showing that he has chops as a distributor, as yeah. someone who can, who understands his role of I'm going to 
be the big, big um, just decoy. I'm happy to drop in, suck an entire defense to me, turn around, lay one ball off to Kevin DeBrunner. And that's basically what you saw with that first goal, right? He attracted the attention from both center backs, stayed cool, calm, just had a nice little spin and laid the ball in for Kevin De Bruyne. And, and a guy like that, there, there are a couple of guys in this game. De Bruyne is one of them. Martinelli's one of them. Saka's one of them. That like, if, if that ball's played in, they're just going to bury that nine times out of ten. And, and it was, uh, unfortunately for Arsenal, I think that was one of those things of Arsenal could have conceded first and I think gotten a result in this game. Right. Arsenal conceding first inside the first ten minutes, to me, where they've been at mentally the last couple of weeks, that was it. That was that was curtains for me. I just didn't see a way back because they've they've gritted they gritted their teeth against Southampton, right? It's Manchester City. You know, you're looking to the complete opposite end of the table and uh, for me, that's what it was done. But City, and this is where the experience comes, they looked around, and to me, they said, there's blood in the water, end it now, and they kept pouring on, and this thing was done by halftime. Sure. there's. A, I think there's a real debate, you know, of, I've seen this kind of raging, obviously, on Man City Twitter, but who wins the Ballon d'Or next year? Leo Messi won the World Cup. And that yeah. plays into it, right? Yeah. Erling Holland wasn't at the World Cup, but like it's almost undeniable what he's doing. Oh, well, and he his his he has seven assists this year in the Premier League. I sent you this tweet. Yeah. That's the same amount that Paul Scholes had in his highest number season. Well, it's it's a scenario where this debate gets just shredded a ton. Um, it, one of those situations where. Um, we, we hear this in college football, the, the SEC versus everybody else. It's like, okay, you might be competitive, but do you have the actual best team in the year where Clemson wins the national championship, stuff like that. We'll see in the Champions League. My bet would be that an English team, Manchester City, wins the Champions League. But like, if Real Madrid comes through and up in City for some reason and everyone wants to say, well, you always say that the Premier League's the most competitive, but Real Madrid go and win the Champions League. Well, just look at all of the clubs who are not, "Quote unquote big six, big seven mm-hmm. that are firing this year for Erling Holland to put up the like record breaking numbers in this version of the Premier League that top to bottom may be as difficult as it's ever been, even without Liverpool being the best version of Liverpool, even without Tottenham being the best version of Tottenham, even with relegation Chelsea. It, you know what I mean? That to to do that where Messi, the World Cup is undeniable and the Ballon d'Or is often a narrative thing." But he ain't done anything at PSG mm-hmm. comparatively to what Erling Holland is doing in the Champions League. Well, especially if League. they win the treble this year. Yeah, what Erling Holland is doing in the Champions League, in the FA Cup, in the Premier League. Like, it's got to be Holland for me. Yeah, I would think so as well. By the way, I saw this stat from Opta Joe, which is a great follow if you're a soccer fan. If you yeah. don't follow Opta Joe on on Twitter, uh, Erling Holland has been directly involved in 57 goals in 43 matches in all competitions this season. That's 15 more than any other player in Europe's top five leagues. He's Just scoring silly. or he's scoring or assisting every 58 minutes. It's silly. Which you know those are like Messi at his prime type of numbers. Yes. Those are Ronaldo at his prime type of numbers, and he's 22. Yeah. Which is kind of scary. So um, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but like it feels like if a treble could ever happen for City, it's going to be this year. No, it, it's it, it's the. But Real Madrid, I think, is the big kind of wall that they're going to have to get over. And the and the Real Madrid conversation is so hard because the truly more than any other club, the team that shows up in the Champions League 
and the team that shows up week in, week out in the league, like you cannot compare those two. They're mentality mm-hmm. monsters when it comes to that. And what, what what's working for City right now is they've always had in this era of City one of those guys that can go out there and flip any match no matter who you're playing, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. Now they have two of those guys. Right, right. You're betting on two of those guys having an off day. That doesn't happen very often. Sure, sure. I thought also, just kind of going back to the Arsenal match, uh, it was very interesting tactics playing Akanji at left back for City. And a lot of that is they knew that uh, Saka was going to come on to him with his left foot, right? And he's a right-footed left back, back, so he kind of played into that and basically told Akanji, don't ever go forward. Yeah. He so he basically was a left back but played more center. It was almost like a three back shifted left a little bit. Right. Right. And Walker was the one that had to go forward and he and Stones would interchange uh kind of it, you know, I guess it would be uh the right center back and the right back when they would go from a three to a four kind of so yeah. I just thought tactically it was very interesting how City played it. Um and it was just like Arsenal were just a step behind right from the beginning. It was it was just not it was not good from the start for the Gunners. And it's like you said earlier, it's a little bit of what we've seen the last it's a lot of what we've seen the last couple of weeks. It just was way more obvious against a team that right now is flying high. What did you make of um Arteta's decision not to start Jorginho? I I I thought typically if, if I were picking Arsenal's best eleven, Jorginho would not be in that, for right. me, I would have gone with that midfield. But in the moment, with what Arsenal has been, Jorginho's been in more of those matches than probably anyone that's not a one of the the city transfer additions into the Arsenal side. He, more than anyone, he's played in those big matches, and I, I just thought that he would have been a calming force. Of I know that we're going to be pressing, I know that we're going to be pressing, but in those moments where it doesn't go well. Being able to collect the ball, and I know he does the sideways pass, which frustrates a lot of people. But I do think calming that down, especially for a team that's lost their head, not like I think that could have. I think cards. that could have helped, but like it's one of the. I heard ESPN FC, the guys on there were talking about this, and I'm not a huge fan of them, but I, you know, yeah, they were talking about how you know they set back afterwards, uh, Stevie Nickel, and I can't remember the other guy's name that's on there, but was it Craig Burley? Craig Burley. They said he, Stevie, and Craig said they set back afterwards, and they were like, "What could they have done different?" You know when what could have changed, and basically they were like nothing. There, there's nothing they could have done with the way City are playing right now, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't have done more. Yeah, right. Just, and so, so I think first of all, the first thing that was obvious was tactically Arteta got it wrong, and and that's I give him a little bit of a pass because that was kind of a tactic from Pep that we haven't seen before. He's been so interchangeable with his back four that it's hard to prepare for that. I would imagine. Yeah, De Bruyne at times, and we saw it against Arsenal, plays as another striker. He plays up front with right. with Erling Holland. So I think that part of it's a little bit forgivable. But I thought they were slow to adjust both on the pitch and with substitutes. And I think hindsight playing Jorginho probably would have been better. Not not probably. I think would have been better. Um, but I think really what they needed was another midfielder. Just period. Yeah. I. The way that City played, I don't think there was any any team in the world that was stepping onto that field yeah. and winning that night. I, I just am looking for how could it have been better because it was such a, for a 
de facto title decider potentially such a lopsided game. Like it was disappointing from the neutral perspective. You know what I mean? Sure. Because it's like I was one, not disappointed. I, I want to make that very clear. On one hand, watching City play like that, the well oiled machine is a joy to watch. On the other hand, I just wanted more out of my title decider because we've sure. had such a fun title fight. And every time these clubs have got together, for me, it's been very one way traffic. Hey, we do need to talk about because right now, if you look at the Premier League table. I mean, I I know that they have just kind of snuck up on everybody, but Aston Villa are making a legit run. They're making a charge. I mean, they are charging late. Uh, Unai Emery has them playing great right now. Another win on, I think that was back on Tuesday that they won. Uh, But yeah, Aston Villa are just flying high right now mid-table and kind of hitting their form as Brighton seemed to be taking a little bit of a dip uh, fresh off of the League Cup. uh, Or not the League Cup, but the the, uh, the FA Cup Cup, run against uh, Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah. Villa really enjoying the having every midweek available basically for for Emery to go to work and they that was kind of that Villa Fulham game was the okay whoever wins this game probably going to be the mid table quote unquote mid table contender to try to make that charge and then you kind of look elsewhere on Tuesday Wolves two 0 over Palace. Good for Wolves. They've played really well. Both those teams have played well enough to avoid yeah. the drop in the last few weeks. And then Leeds and Leicester, a weird way that to split those points. Like, that's a it valuable point them. for them both, but it also is yeah. a killer, killer two points drop. Uh, we talk about Brentford and Chelsea. I don't know what Frank Lampard was trying to achieve there. It was gross. And Brentford were like, all right, we ride with this. So, credit to Thomas Frank and Brentford for just saying, yeah, we'll take what you give us. I, I it is confirmed, by the way, that Lampard will be there for the rest of the season. Right? Yeah, that has yeah, been which is not shocking, not from like the Lampard thing, but like if you're Maurizio Pochettino, if you're whoever, why would you want any part? Chelsea still have to play everyone currently sitting in the top four as well. So that sure. run-in, I want none of that stink. Forrest, the big win over Brighton, you talked about this. I think this was more than anything, a little FA Cup hangover for Brighton. They don't have... They're not fighting for anything as much, and Forrest obviously very motivated to, to keep firing points through. Yeah, I thought. I thought um, first off, like really nice for Forrest. They're out of the drop zone now. Yeah. Uh, to me, the the second biggest takeaway, other than City and Arsenal from the weekend, was what Newcastle did to uh, poor Everton. Yeah. A A for Newcastle standpoint, for them to uh, continue to build on the win over Tottenham. With a big win over Everton, they are they are playing right now as good as anybody not named Man City in the Premier League. And by the way, Arsenal has them on the run in as well. Yeah. Um, but Newcastle, the way that they beat Everton and Everton, I think this is it for Everton. It, like I, I have a, I like have it. a hard time looking at their fixtures remaining and thinking that they're staying up. And that's they will be. Uh, you know, Villa was kind of this team a few years ago, but they will probably be. Since I've been watching the Premier League, the biggest team as far as American support that's going to get relegated. Swansea was pretty big too, I will say, but they will be a, a team with a lot of American support going back mainly to Landon Donovan for a lot of people, like a lot of long time American support that could get relegated, and I think probably will get relegated at this point. We, we talked about also, this thoughts with Roger Bennett. Yeah, we, we talked about this with uh, when Deitch came in, and, and you're trying to see okay firefighters, all that. Well. Uh, we mentioned this. If you just look at goals scored by the teams that are down there still fighting for relegation, Leicester, 44. They currently are in the drop zone. They trail Forrest by one point. Forrest, 29. They're kind of the outlier as far as um, a, a team that goes out there, only has 29 goals scored, but they were able to capitalize on Brighton. 
But elsewhere, Leeds, who are right above four, is 42 goals. West Ham, 34. Bournemouth, 32. Wolves have put it together here to, to get a couple of points. They're at 29 goals scored. They're the ones that are the safest right now over at 37 points. Everton, 25. Southampton, 27. If you can't score, that that's always my determining factor when there's a ton of teams there. I'm just like, hey, that's what turns losses into draws, and that's what turns poor performances that normally would have been a draw and a great day into a win, and Everton just can't score goals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you said everything that is unfortunately true for Everton fans. Like they, they just they stumble over the scoring hurdle, if you will. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't think there's any way to fix it. I, yeah, the, at this point, I don't point, think they have the personnel to fix it. And, and, we and about we're obviously too late in the year. You can't change tactics that much. Yeah, it, well, I don't know what else they can do. Truthfully. Adopt total football. <laughs> Go to Amsterdam. <laughs> adopt total football. Have a, have a barbecue. Have a barbecue. Inspired hallucination. Barbecue induced hallucination. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Todd Lizaby. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is the soccer show here on 1077, the franchise brought to you as always by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. On the other side, we had another massive match Tottenham and United. Big swings in that one. We'll discuss what that means for both those clubs, especially for. Our friend Ryan Mason, and if he could maybe throw his name in for the Tottenham job, other names looming, as well as another Tottenham manager. It's not official right now, but by the time we have a midweek pod, it sounds like a former Tottenham manager will find a new home as well. We'll talk about that and more on the other side. One segment left. Stick with us here on The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Final segment of The Soccer Show here on this lovely Saturday morning. Ryan Chapman, Todd Lisby, we're brought to you as always by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Hit up Oklahoma City FC. Their schedule is out for everything they're doing this summer. Tickets are out. Todd and I will be out there a ton. So uh, that's where all the cool kids are this summer, is supporting a great, great organization. Really high-quality soccer. It takes care of their athletes. And if you don't know, a lot of those athletes are collegiate soccer players that are looking for a place to continue to play and grow and develop during the summer. My sister is a part of the OKC FC family. Uh, I always appreciate how well she was taken care of. Frankly, at times a lot better than her collegiate program took care of her. Uh, so it's it's not just high-quality soccer, but really a great organization. I would encourage you to throw your support behind this yeah. summer. It's a mix of that and then some some higher-end high school players who are looking yeah. to maybe play with some players at that next level to uh, you know, get better at their skill and maybe find some light competition for some of them that are really high end high school players. So yeah, it's a I mean, I've seen in the past few years out there um, All-Americans. You know, yeah, All-Americans that have that are all Americans in the past and are playing still in the uh, in the league, and also, you know, I've seen high school players who have turned into all Americans when they were in high school playing in this league. So yeah, get out and support uh, all the uh, all the action out at OklahomaCityFC.com if you want to find ticket information. OklahomaCityFC.com. I believe they get going at the beginning of June. I think yeah. is when it gets going. So yep, yep, yep. yep. A spot in the uh, sports calendar where there's not a ton going on after one big event that happens in Oklahoma City. So get out there for sure. Todd, we had one other midweek match that we hadn't talked about. I kind of wanted to save it because I think there's a lot more to dig into here 
than, than maybe some of the other results. Sorry to those other results. First off, also shout out. I thought that Liverpool and West Ham both played very well. Liverpool came out on top mm-hmm. there, two one. A good sign for Liverpool. Exactly what we had. Asked of it's them. almost like they're both building off of good performances against the top of the league team, right? Yeah, yeah. Weird, weird <laughs> right? how that rolls. Weird how that rolls. Uh, we we are talking though, of course, of the Spurs United match that went on. Ryan Mason stepping in as the interim to the interim. Uh, I'm sure there's some office stuff that we could work out there uh, for Tottenham. United goes up two nil. Really nice takes from Sancho and Rashford. And then Mason goes And Bruno in. Fernandez later in the match. Oh, never mind. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Woo. A little Bruno. Uh, and what I, I imagine has to have happened is that Mason went into the dressing room and ripped Tottenham a new one. I would hope so, right? I would yeah. think so. Um, honestly, it might have been Harry Kane or it might have been yep. someone else. Well, Her- Harry Kane, uh, I think, was checking text messages at halftime. Harry Kane, like, Harry Kane, they were like, hey man, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the locker room. They uh, go, that's the United that's locker the United room. Locker room. Like, we're over here, bud. And he just hangs his head very, and just walks very back. Very awkward moment. Yeah. Very yeah. awkward moment indeed. Yeah. No, uh, he. it was It was a nice fight back from Tottenham. Um, it's just what we haven't seen from them a lot this season. No, it's a word that's used a lot in, in soccer or football coverage. It's metal, right? It's, yeah. They showed a little metal and they hadn't showed that. Uh, throughout much of the season. They hadn't showed it in the biggest moments. They certainly didn't show it last weekend in Newcastle where they were just embarrassed, well, just that, played off the pitch. It was so bad that the, the squad came together and they, they're they refunding right. the the fees to any... All the match tickets yeah, for everyone they, that attended. Yeah. For everyone that attended. That's how bad that was. Now, they, they didn't get like the itemized receipt like from the Morgan Wallen fan no. a couple nights ago but uh, down in Oxford. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a nice fight back from Tottenham, and I think you saw you saw from both of these teams that there is enough good that they both Tottenham included should be Champions League contenders, you know, this season and next year. Now Tottenham obviously have to deal with Harry Kane because he's probably going to leave. It sounds like in the summer, yeah, if they don't get Champions League football, and I don't blame him at this point. No, no, and uh, that's going to be really complicated by something we'll talk about here in a minute, but. Um, it, it's just this is what has been, I think, most disappointing for most Spurs fans. I, I, I talk to a bunch of them weirdly. I have weird choice in friends, awful choice in friends, frankly, that I have so many Spurs fans that I talk to on a daily basis. But um, just the disappointment of knowing that there has been the quality there that, okay, maybe it's not wins, but what happened against Newcastle should not happen. Like they have enough quality to, to turn that right. thing around and at least fight back for a draw or lose with some. Dignity. Some guts and some yeah. dignity. Yeah, and you just haven't seen that at times. At times, it's not been a, a season-wide thing. That has only been fit for one of those clubs, which has been Chelsea. Chelsea have played with no dignity all year. But uh, I think for Spurs, that's the really encouraging thing. And for United, yeah, you flip over and you show this is the difference of why United have played a lot better, ended their trophy drought, but why they weren't able to continue to fight and, and have that charge where for a, a small window coming off that World Cup break, they might have poked their way onto the back end of the title race. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think... I Look, I will say this, just real quick, going back to the Harry Kane deal. There's... I saw someone tweeted this the other day. You ever think about how if just one thing in your life went different, how much different your life would be? Yeah. Like, if you had chosen to go to a different college, how yeah. much different would your life be, right? And you would have met completely different people. Your life would have gone down a completely different path. 
Can you imagine what a different path Man City would be on had they gotten Kane? Yeah. A couple years ago when Tottenham wouldn't sell him? Yeah. Because the next year they went out and got Holland instead. Right. They might not. They probably wouldn't have Holland right now. And yeah. guess who probably would? Manchester right. United would probably have him. I was going to say Real Madrid. Real Madrid might have him. But, I mean, somebody not Man City would have him. So it is, it is kind of interesting just kind of peeling back that whole deal. And I'm sure for Harry Kane, he's set, how old is he, 31? Uh, See that old 28? Something I'll like look. that. Uh, but he's towards the tail end of his career. Right? Soccer careers end very early. He 29? is 29. 29. Okay, so he's about to be 30, which is old in soccer. Yeah. Right? He's about to be 30 years old, and he is sitting there looking at a career where he's done F all. Well, <laughs> For the way they say it across he, the pond. He's been to the precipice. Like, he's played in Champions League final. He's right. been in a couple of title fights. He's been on long cup runs that have not resulted in anything. Sure. No, I'm with you. But he... but. So here's the difference between soccer and, like, the NBA. In soccer, at the end of your career, you don't go join a really good team and title chase for a veteran minimum. Right. They have no interest in you. Yeah. They have interest in young players that they can invest in and either sell off or have them for more years in the future. It's not a one-and-done type of deal in soccer. And also, your skills diminish so much quicker that you are of no use. It's not a sport where you play eight minutes and then come out and ten minutes and come out. Right. Right? So for Harry Kane, like the window for him winning a title, it's not like another sport where you can just go chase one at the end. If he's going to chase one, he has to do it while he still is good enough to do it. And I think this transfer window coming up is that last real opportunity for him to bite a big chunk out of his career out and try to win a title. And let's talk about... His future, and that'll get us into a Pochettino conversation. Then we'll circle back to the Tottenham manager search. Um, the rumors right now, and this is Daily Mail, so do with that what you will. But Manchester United, very interested. Uh, Levy doesn't want to sell. He's still going to try to maintain that £100 million price tag. United are going to try to haggle that down. And now... It looks like on Saturday, so again, we're, we're recording this at about, it's now 2.15-ish on, on Friday, but on Saturday, um, the Chelsea hierarchy are supposed to have a sit-down, a advanced sit-down with Maurizio Pochettino to hammer out the final details of that. The expectation is that Poch will be Chelsea manager officially come Sunday. We know that Harry Kane has a great relationship with Maurizio Pochettino. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Redknapp was quoted again. That's basically son level, but that that Harry Kane settled in London. Family man doesn't he he's got a new house, all that stuff. Right, and now there's the specter for Levy of if you don't negotiate with Manchester United and find a way to sell him on, or if you don't get Harry Kane to sign an extension. Fast forward 12 months into the future, out of contract, it's, I don't think Harry Kane personally would do this with all the time he's put in for Tottenham, but the worry, the specter, the rumor is, well, if he's out of contract, he could walk over to South London, link up with Poch, all that stuff. That doesn't make any sense for where Chelsea are as far as chasing trophies or anything like that, but if he doesn't get a, a United move or something like that, that is now hanging in the background, which that is what Levy can't have. Like, he will have protests at Tottenham Hotspur right. Stadium if, th- right. if that is what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And and look, I 
maybe Harry Kane goes somewhere else. Maybe, I don't know if Real Madrid are interested, but teams like that always can drum up some interest. And if yeah. Tottenham really want to get the highest bidder, hell, maybe uh, whoever all Nasser's yeah. uh, competitor is maybe PSG in the Saudi League. The yeah, maybe PSG does. Honestly, who knows at this point? Uh, like, maybe some big, big pockets in America try to bring him over to the MLS. Like, at this point, everyone's going to be throwing money at him, and... Uh, I don't see how he can't leave. I, I mean, I think he, his days at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club are numbered. And I think, honestly, it's time for a little bit of a teardown and rebuild there. Yeah, And, and it's, that's hard to do in the Premier yeah. League because you always face the fear of relegation and the money that you lose out on by not playing in Europe and the players that you lose out on by not playing in Europe. But it's time for them to strip it down to the studs and figure out how to do it differently because they've literally done it the same way for about 10 or 15 years now. Well, and they've got a blueprint. The Gareth Bale sale allowed for them to reinvest that money in the squad. If only right. there were a manager out there, the profile like Maurizio Pochettino, who has shown at the Premier League level that he could take a young core, have a clear identity, bring those youth through. Maybe that's who they should like target in this managerial hunt. Oh, they're not going to call him. And that would be? That w- that would be one option that Tottenham could go with. Instead, Chelsea have picked up the phone. Oh, you're talking about Pochettino. Oh, yeah. I, that's who they should go with. Yeah. Yes. Well, but also I think there are probably a little bit of hurt feelers from him being there last time, honestly. Well, I, like, I don't think it was a, the best of well, the, the, uh, again, partings all, of ways. This is all rumor mill that it's just like Levy is too prideful to pick up the phone and call back and say, I'm sorry. Again, they need to strip it down to the studs and redo things. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting. Um, there's renewed hope for Julian Nagelsmann. I think Nagelsmann would be a really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like Nagelsmann. I would have liked Nagelsmann to be the Chelsea in the Chelsea dugout. I think Nagelsmann would be great for Tottenham if he's willing to sign on to a project like that. Or maybe Nagelsmann is enough to convince Kane, hey, maybe you extend by a year or two and, and see if we can chase this thing. I know Kane's running out of time. I, I don't know anything about Harry Kane, how he views that contract situation, but I wonder if Nagelsmann would be enough. Right. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because uh, I do think you know, you're know you going to be looking at a Tottenham team that is going to have to rework what they want to do and rebrand themselves. And it's going to take longer than it took, like I say, Man United to do that because they just don't have the resources. They don't have the pool. They don't have uh, the name that Manchester United do. So uh, as you mentioned, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. We recorded this yesterday afternoon as you're listening to it this morning on the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. So Crystal Palace and West Ham have already gone final. We want to congratulate Crystal Palace on a great win at Selhurst Park. Or perhaps we would like to congratulate West Ham on continuing their great run of form. Or maybe, congrats to both of them on the point shared, they seem to both be safe. Yeah, uh, big ups to, if West Ham win this game, big ups to them for being able to maybe not have to look over their shoulder at relegation. They can just focus on on, that. motoring through the last little legs of Europe. And then the 9 a.m. games, Brentford and Forest, Brighton and Wolves. I'm so happy that Brighton got back on track. Was sad to see Diego Costa's hat trick wasted, though. Yes, exactly. And also for uh, uh, Brentford and Nottingham Forest, uh, just amazing that Ivan Toney scored five goals today and then uh, was subbed off in the 33rd minute and then was caught making a bet with a Forest player on the side of the pitch it was and tough. is now facing a lifetime ban. So, it was really tough. Yeah. Just kidding. We obviously haven't seen them yet, but... Not on the Tony thing. But uh, after this show airs, there are a lot of matches that are going to be happening tomorrow. Tomorrow's actually the big day in the Premier League, and they all start at 8 a.m. And, Ryan, I think this is a really good slate of 8 a.m. matches. Oh, absolutely. Newcastle and Southampton should not be close. Correct. Right? I mean, Newcastle should, with the way that those two teams are going, it should be a, a riot for Newcastle. 
But Bournemouth and Leeds is super exciting. Bournemouth's coming off a big win in the midweek. Yeah. Uh, Fulham and Man City. You know, will Man City have that dip in form after? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a hangover after the performance midweek. And then Man United against, as we talked about earlier in the show, one of the hottest teams in the Premier League right now in Aston Villa. Yeah, all of those games. Uh, well, because I, I even think that Newcastle Southampton is intrigued because Newcastle, like, can they keep banging goals like this? Can, right. can they really set the world on fire? Six to close and four this? the last two matches. Yeah, yeah. And then Spurs head to Anfield. That one should be a ton of fun. It, it'll. This is one that I'm looking at for me because if Spurs don't get Nagelsmann. I know that this is mostly the the call-in boot room show style thing, but Ryan Mason was good in his first stint as interim. If he can turn this thing around, knowledge of the club, the the fans believe it, it's not going to be a sexy hire that wins the press conference outside of maybe Tottenham fans, but I I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Mason get a shot. I I really like what he's done in kind of limited capacity the couple times he's been handed the reins. By the way, one of the other things worth noting is if Man City do pull off the win tomorrow, as you're listening to this, against Fulham, they will be ahead of Arsenal on points. I know Pep keeps bringing that up. Like, hey, we're still behind in, on points. And so um, if Man City don't get a result, if they go to Craven Cottage and either lose or get a draw, then Arsenal can say, okay, we just need one more of those, yeah. right, to give ourselves a chance. So um, I, I think that's going to be an important one. And then we have the late game tomorrow, which is uh, Liverpool and Tottenham. We'll see if, you know, Tottenham only won half of football. Liverpool have played well, I think, for the last couple weeks. Yeah. Really since the second half of that Arsenal match. And we'll see if they can continue to build uh, against Tottenham at Anfield. Monday, Leicester and Everton. For me, this is like a draws disaster for both. So yeah. someone's got to go. I hope that they kind of chuck forward and go for it. Yep. And we'll regroup on Tuesday before this game starts. I know I was very critical and am very critical and still believe that that Arsenal should feel bad for what has happened. Their losing streak ends on Tuesday. <laughs> they got Chelsea I've coming got great news. I've got, got great it. Chelsea news. go up 2-0 in like the 30th minute. I'm going to have to eat all my words from the first segment of the show today. If Frank Lampard gets a point, feel bad. Because uh, this should be no Saliba, no, no worries, no problems. I firmly believe that Arsenal get to put a little bit of pressure back on City uh, to close this thing. So I think it'll be good vibes at the Emirates on Tuesday after they absolutely batter Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Yeah, I think, uh, by the way, I saw this stat earlier. I meant to tell you this when we were talking about Erling Holland, how amazing he's been. Uh, Erling Holland has seven goals this year. He's got the same, or seven assists, I'm sorry, this year. Yeah. He's got the same amount of assists as another Norwegian in the Premier League. Martin Odegaard. Mr. Odegaard? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Who's having the season of his life. Yeah. Right? Uh, so he's got a few more goals than Odegaard. Though. Something for Arsenal fans and not be stoked about. Uh, Mikhailo Mudrik is joint lead for Chelsea assists in the Premier League this season. Two? One. One? <laughs> <laughs> and that nice. is how we will end this. That's Todd Lisby. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is The Soccer Show. Like we mentioned, we will be back for our midweek pod. Just search The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for all of that. But... For Todd, for Ryan, th- special thank you to our sponsors, Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. And the Goldfish. And Maddie Goldfish holding it down for us in studio. Uh, this weekend, hope everybody gets on track, and I hope that all of your rivals are as hapless as Chelsea Football Club on the way out the door. And Matt, feel free to hit that goal button if yeah, you want to. hit that bad boy right. <laughs> nah. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Sports Radio E. 107.7 The Franchise. KRXO FM and KRXO.